0: Good morning, morning. and welcome. Let's go ahead and begin class of prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love and for your mercy and for your watch care. and We ask especially for your spirit to enlighten our minds. Help us have greater discernment in the realities of your kingdom and be prepared for your soon coming. We pray in your holy name. Amen. We're doing our first class this morning, which is lesson nine in the quarterly Isaiah. And the title is To Serve and to Save. And the memory verse is Isaiah 42, 1. Which reads, "Behold, my servant, whom I mu- I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him; he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles." And who's the servant in this text? Jesus. It applies, and Matthew specifically applies this to Jesus in Matthew twelve, fifteen through eighteen. It reads, "Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. Many followed him, and he healed all their sick, warning them not to tell who he was." This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant who I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. And so this uh, prophecy is speaking about Jesus. And other um, New Testament verses confirm this for us. Yes, in Matthew 3, when Jesus was baptized, who do we have the Spirit of God coming down on and saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased? It's Jesus in Matthew 3, 16, and 17. So again, I will put my Spirit upon him, and he will you know, be my servant. But Do you notice something else about this prophecy? Who are the players in the pronouns? If you look at the pronouns and the descriptors in here, who are the players? Who's the speaker? Who's the servant? Who's the Spirit? So I'll, I'll read it through with the players identified. Behold my the Father is speaking, my, servant, Jesus, who I, the Father, uphold, my elect one, Jesus, in whom my, the Father, soul delights. My soul delights. I, the Father, have put my spirit, the Holy Spirit, on him, Jesus. He, Jesus, will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. Here in the Old Testament, in the Gospel Prophet, we have the right revelation of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all working together to fulfill their plan to bring Jesus to solve the sin problem, to provide remedy. And not just for the Jews. And not just for the Jews, for all the world. Yep. Yeah, good. It says it right in the text for the whole world. You remember a few weeks ago we quoted a quote out of the book of Desire of Ages where that author described how without the work of the Holy Spirit, the achievements of Christ would have uh, been to no avail. That the Holy Spirit makes effectual in the life of the believer what Christ brought out in his victory here on earth. Jesus not only reveals to us the truth about God, but Jesus reveals to us the secret to our own personal victory. Understand Jesus' victory on earth. uh, He overcame not through using his divine, godly powers, but as a human being surrendering to his Father and being empowered by the Spirit. He resisted temptation by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit came upon him. He performed miracles not using his own power. He was tempted to use his own power, turned this stone to bread. He had access. He could have done it. But that's not how he did anything. Of my own self, I can do nothing, Christ said. All of his victories were achieved as a human being achieves victory. Through surrender to his Father and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's the secret to our victories as well. This is out of a little pamphlet written by one of the founders of the Adventist Church called Bible Echo, September 3, 1900. And it says, Christ lived a human life that he might be man's example in all things. He endured temptation even as every human being must endure. He believed God as we must believe. He learned obedience even as we are required to learn obedience. And he overcame as we must overcome. And how did he overcome? By trust in his father and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The last portion of the memory text says he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles or he will bring justice to the Gentiles, depending on which version. What do you understand this justice to be? What is that? And what's the first question you need to ask? What law lends? If you have Satan's view of law, imposed rules like humans make up, that require infliction of punishment, then justice is inflicting punishment. And this is Satan's view. Desire of Ages 761. Every sin must meet its punishment, urged Satan. That's the human model. And this is Satan's lie about God from the beginning, and every government or kingdom of this world operates on that model. That's why all the kingdoms of the world are described as being beastly, and all of them are described as being Satan's kingdoms, because they all operate on his imperialistic approach of in- of making up rules and then inflicting punishments for rule-breaking. For those who've rejected the kingdoms of the world with their imposed law uh, and embrace God as creator and worship him as creator, accepting his laws as design laws, then we understand something completely different, that when we transgress or break God's law, we injure ourselves, take ourselves out of harmony with life. The result or wages of that is death unless remedied by our Creator. And thus God is working, the just thing is to heal and fix the damage. That's what love does. All the laws of health demonstrate this. They all demonstrate it. The battle between Christ and Satan is a battle, understand this, for our minds, for our minds. Satan's methods and principles, when believed and practiced, damage your mind and corrupt your character. God's methods and principles, when believed and practiced, heal your minds and rebuild your character. You can't avoid it. It's how reality works. In the Dark Ages, the beast of revelation warred against the saints, and they warred not as uh, simply... Uh, With soldiers, they warred through the ideas they got the people to believe to corrupt their minds. And they did this by getting people to believe things that were nonsense. That were nonsense. Things like God is love, and He wants you to love Him. But if you don't, He'll burn you in hell. This is a classic Dark Ages teaching. Some still teach it today, and it's nonsense. The only way, if you believe that, it damages your mind. It dethrones human reason. Uh, You have to stop thinking. You can't think. That's irrational. It's not how reality works. And so you you can't actually walk around in a world that makes sense anymore. And so what happens if you have surrendered objective reality? In other words, this is the goal, to surrender objective and live in a fantasy world. You can't know right from wrong. There's no way you can tell it. So you have to turn to some authority who knows more than you to tell you. You can shorten people's suffering in purgatory if you just give us enough gold. Classic teaching of the Dark Ages. Think that through. God operates in some plane beyond us, the dead departed, they're not part of Earth anymore, but somehow gold to to people on Earth will in fact affect what's going on in a different plane of existence. That's irrational. Also, what kind of a being has to be bribed in this way? You can have your sins erased by going on a crusade and killing people. Seriously, there's a start. No matter what your sins were, you go on the crusade and you kill Muslims, you will be in power. Your sins will be forgiven and erased. You understand that's irrational. It makes no sense. Thou shalt not murder. But if you go murder, you can have your sins erased. During this time in history, if there were thinkers who stood up and started to question, that's irrational, it doesn't make sense. How were they treated? Accusation. Remember, we went through Satan's powers, one of his powers, power of accusation. They were accused of being heretics. You're a heretic. They were then ostracized. They had their fortunes and lands taken. They were economically deprived. They were fined. They were tortured. They were imprisoned. They were killed. If you question the popular narrative, if you think for yourself and look for evidence... You'll be punished. You'll be accused. Do we see these same methods being practiced today as the image of the beast is forming? Do we see these the beast, dark ages, destroying power, image of the beast? After a recent blog, I'm going to go through this real time. After a recent blog, I discussed the downsides of using modern examples that some people get too emotional and therefore... Maybe it's better I, I just stick with the Dark Ages example and the Bible examples. But then I was inundated with a bunch of emails from people saying, no, please continue to apply these principles in real time. It helps us discern. It helps us learn what's happening. And I had so many emails, so I'm going to do this. But if I use it, mean, I've got multiple examples from, from today that I'm going to go through. If I use an example today that you're uncomfortable with, then just replace that in your mind with a different example. It is not about the example. It is about what is being taught, what is being revealed, the methods and the principle. Don't lose sight of the methods and processes I'm describing simply because you don't like the example that exposes it. So let's use the example currently impacting our entire world that demonstrate the fallacy of the two laws, design law, God's law, human made-up laws, COVID-19. This is a virus. If it infects you, it will violate the laws of health by subverting your body's normal processes and inciting viral reproduction that damages the body, leading to death if not stopped. This is true for all viral infections, by the way. The common cold, which is a coronavirus in many cases, the reason you don't take it seriously is because your body typically kills it. But if it didn't, if you were one of those, remember remember those like uh, bubble babies, those have no immune system, a common cold would kill them. It ha- the, all viruses are deadly if they're not stopped. They have to be stopped because they violate the laws of health. And that results in death. If the individual's not put back in harmony with the laws of health. This is a metaphor for sin, people, which is a sickness of heart, mind, and character that is terminal without remedy. Okay, if you have sin, fear, selfishness operating in your heart and it's not removed, then you will die of this condition. It's the same thing. Okay, it's a metaphor. All right. Hum, many human governments have passed various made up human laws in an attempt to stop the spread of the virus. This is like the Dark Ages Church passing many laws to try to stop, stop the spread of sin. Now let's examine what justice looks like when both laws are broken. Design laws, laws of health. Impose laws, made-up rules. And regardless of the good intentions, and let's give all the government and church leaders the best possible benefit of the doubt, and let's assume all their laws and rules and regulations were made up to try and help people and stop either sin or disease. Let's just make it the best possible motive we can. But irrespective of the good intentions, the made-up human laws are not reality, nor the rituals in church or the rules in church. They are simply made-up rules that require external enforcement and inflicted punishment, and even obeying them do not guarantee life and health. In the Dark Ages, if you comply with the church rules, you go to Mass, you have your infants baptized, you go to confession, you do your Hail Marys, you pray to the saints, you go on a pilgrimage, does any of that mean you're cleansed from sin and have eternal life? You can keep all the rules and still not be cleansed from sin. What about today? If you comply with imposed law to wear a mask, shut down your business, stand six feet apart, does that mean you will absolutely avoid being infected with the virus? And does that guarantee you will live? If you obey all these laws but still get infected, what happens, having obeyed the laws but still being infected, you appeal to the governor and say, hey, I wore my mask. I shut down my business. I obeyed all the laws. Can you please legally pardon me from this infection so I won't get sick and die? Do you see the problem? This is a great metaphor for the penal legal theologies and what they have done to Christianity. They have replaced reality of sin being a condition of heart and mind that is terminal, deviant from God's designs, will result in death unless remedied remedy with this legal fiction that sin is a judicial problem that requires legal payment and pardon. They teach millions to claim the legal pardon from God on the basis of a blood payment by Jesus, yet don't teach people how to actually have eternal life by receiving a new heart through Jesus Christ. Imagine during the Dark Ages, someone lives where, there are, where they are legally required to go to confession and have their infants baptized. The purpose, of course, for the church to make these rules is to ensure that people are cleansed from sin and have eternal, that's their their goal. But what if a person doesn't obey this law? They don't go to confession and they don't get their infant baptized. Yet they still have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and they're reborn with a new heart and right spirit. But they haven't obeyed the law put up by the church. What happens to them in the end? What would the church do to those people who were disobeying its law? Hmm. Why would the church do that? Well, imagine today your son or daughter lives in a municipality in which a law has been passed for them to close their business and to reduce the risk of spreading COVID. What happens if your child opens their business and never and never gets exposed to COVID? What would be wrong with running their business if no exposure ever happens? What would the state do anyway? Why would the state need to do this? What kind of punishment is this? Imagine you're the governor of that state and your child breaks the law, opens their business, and from that act, a customer infects your child with COVID. You become aware that your child is now infected as a direct result of disobeying the law that you were key in getting passed. If you do what's just, what is right, do you have your child executed for disobedience? If you do what's just or right, do you seek to inflict punishment upon your child? I can hear some already thinking, well, absolutely, you have to support the law. We need to definitely find them. We need to shut their business down, take their business license from them. And let's say you do all that because you got to uphold the law now. You can't, can't play favorites. How does uh, taking their business license and finding them in any way help resolve their condition? They're still, if you believe that COVID will kill them, still dying of this condition. Is your primary concern as governor and father or mother... As parent, is your primary concern enforcing the law, or is your primary concern saving your child? What if, as you enforce the law to find and, and punish your child, and you're about to inflict the fines, his older brother stands up and says, "No, no, I love my brother. Please, I, I, put the fine on me. Let me pay the fine, uh, and, and and I will I will suffer in his place." As governor, would it be just for you to allow this substitution of punishment? And if you allow the innocent to be punished in place of the guilty, how does that resolve your child's infection? Do you see the corruption in Christianity? This is the fallacy of the penal legal model, this idea of inflicting punishment to uphold Law somehow resolves the sin problem. It doesn't. Because the sin problem is not a legal problem any more than being infected with COVID is a legal problem. Being infected is a health problem. Likewise, sin is a spiritual health problem, our eternal health. So if you do what's just or right in harmony with the law of love and the laws of health, what action do you take for your infected child? If you have a remedy, you provide it. That's what you do. This is the problem with the world today. People are more invested in seeking some form of justice through human laws, through human imposed rules, through sanctions and infliction of punishment, than actually doing what's right, what actually is healing and restorative. That's not important. We need to punish. Just look at the changes made in the laws between the Trump and the Biden administrations. Some people are happy, others are upset. But the people of God recognize it's all artificial and none of it is justice in God's kingdom. It's all artificial. Worse, what's happening during COVID, and I want you to understand this, it's an assault on your mind. It's an assault on your mind. There are forces at work that want to destroy your capacity to discern right from wrong, to think for yourself, to understand what's actually healthy and unhealthy. Isaiah wrote, and we're studying Isaiah this quarter, in Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Irrational and inconsistent messaging, contradictory and false positions, destructive and irrational ideologies are being promoted, repeated in words and images, and these lies infect minds, getting people to believe things that don't make sense or opposite to how reality works, just like the church in the dark ages that have already exposed and went through here in examples today. Let me give you some examples. I don't know if any of you watched the Super Bowl, but there was a Super Bowl commercial by Logitech. I've got the link, and I'm going to quote to you. It's a one-minute commercial. Here's the, uh, here's the dial or the, the, the what, was, what was said during the commercial, and you can go watch it. We stand here in defiance. That's right. We're the makers, the groundbreakers. We're the creators, the screamers, the dreamers. We defy expectations, perceptions, and misconceptions. We defy what logic says we should look like, sound like, be like. We defy defy algorithms and entire industries. See, we defy that little voice that says, oh, no, we can't, with a roar back that says, oh, yes, we will. Because to create the future, we must defy the logic of the past. We must defy logic. Do you hear the messaging? Logic isn't logic. It is anything we want it to be. And in fact, we can't can't succeed and achieve if we don't deny logic. And we can't go into the future successfully if we don't deny the logic of the past. And what history has to teach us? We can't accept history; we have to rewrite history. Then we can become the makers. We can be creators of logic and reality. Whose message is this? This is a. Ex- there it is. This is the message of the evil one. If I ever heard it. This is what's being programmed into kids' minds today and societies today. The father of lies telling us lies. But for those of us who love truth, what is the truth on the question of the logic of history? I'll start with Deuteronomy 4, verse 9. God instructing through Moses the people. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your hearts as long as you live. Teach them to your children and their children after them. What are we to teach? History. Paul in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians ten eleven says, about the history as recorded in Scripture, these things happened to them as an example and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages is coming. Who doesn't want us, as the ages are being fulfilled, to understand the warnings of history? Oh, so we deny the logic of history. Or Ellen White wrote, in Christian education, I think think it's what CET, what's CET stand for? Anyway, CET 204. We have nothing to fear for the future except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and his teachings in our past history. Who wants us to forget history? It's our enemy. Why? What happens to our mind when we disconnect it from reality? from facts, from history, from logic. There's an assault on your mind, folks. The Bible teaches that the mature of those who develop by practice, the ability to discern right from wrong, Hebrews 5.14. If you remember the seven levels of moral decision-making, God wants us not only to, level five, love others more than self. Level six, understand his design, his laws, and participate with Him. But level seven, be mature friend of his who understand his purposes, to be able to discern and think and understand and comprehend, to be mature, as it says in Hebrews 5:40, which requires the mature of those who develop by practice the ability to discern right from wrong, to think, to reason, to make choices. That's what God wants. Satan wants just the opposite. He wants to degrade us all the way down to brute beasts, creatures of instinct. Level one, who... Right and wrong is reward and punishment. Who's in authority? Who's going to reward me? Am I going to be punished? We don't need to think. We just know what the rules are. We need to avoid being punished. That's what he wants. How does he get there? This is how he gets there. By degrading our minds. I'm going to give you some more examples. He wants people, Satan wants people not to think, not to reason, not to weigh evidence is, to deny evidence, facts, and history. He wants us to believe on claims, proclamations, declarations. They don't want people that can differentiate evidence from facts, evidence and facts from fiction and fantasy. They, they don't want you to be able to tell that difference. Then such people will follow whoever happens to tell them what they want to hear or be in authority. Our minds are under assault. Let me give you some more examples that have been going on for decades and they're building Godless evolution, which generations are now taught in schools and which all public universities adhere to and all government research centers and all research funding and all peer-reviewed journals support, even though it, in order to support this theory, you have to deny overwhelming and irrefutable evidence such as the coded information in the DNA. There is no explanation. And the honest evolutionary biologist will tell you that it's not possible for that information to have been coded randomly. There is no explanation for random forces to take letters and code them and write books. That requires an intelligence. They all know it. They all know it. But they all deny it. Understand, you can't operate that way without damaging your mind. Your mind becomes conditioned to lack discernment skills, to lack the ability to tell the difference between truth and lies anymore. If you happen to be an honest professor who seeks to bring evidence-based research that shows design and creator intelligence involved, you will not be appreciated. You will be accused of being a heretic, just like in the Dark Ages. You will be ostracized, just like in the Dark Ages. You will have your funding research revoked. You will have your publishing. uh, None of your papers will be accepted for publication. You will be fired from your job, just like in the Dark Ages. Your career will be killed. You may not, not be physically killed, but your career and your professional reputation will be executed, just like the Dark Ages. Same methodologies are at work. Believe something that's nonsense, contrary to the evidence, and the only way to do it is suspend your thinking, accept falsehoods, which damage your mind and your critical reasoning skills. You become less capable of discerning truth from fiction. And then, so, th- so that's one. And then that leads, once you've suspended and you accept this stuff that doesn't make sense, it's contrary to evidence, then, well, there is no truth, actually. Your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. This idea is corrosive and teaches that all views and perspectives are equally valid. There's no objective reality. Again, your mind becomes damaged. Who do we follow in a world with no objective reality? Whoever has the most power so we won't be punished. Level one. So we see in the world. What do you think the riots were for this last year? To intimidate people to go along so they won't have their business burned. Level one, avoid punishment. Here's another one. Common today, there is no male or female. Gender is what one decides. It's an ar- male female is an arbitrary construct from religionists of the dark ages. Okay, understand that denies objective reality. All day long, every person walks around, and every person has their own reality-based experiences with males and females. We're not talking sexual attraction or orientation. We're just talking males and females. And the whole world is filled with males and females and all the species of the world. It's the way it is. Everybody knows it's this way. But now the modern philosophy is, oh no, it's just arbitrary construct, which means we have to deny what we see. This is the most powerful modern-day example of the emperor's clothing. Everybody knows Everybody knows the emperor doesn't have clothes. Everybody knows there's male and female, but you can't say it. You have to pretend the emperor's wearing clothes. You have to pretend there isn't really male and female. It's all made up. It damages your mind. And it leads to things like the new president's, Biden's, ruling that male to female transgendered individuals can compete in female sports. That's his new ruling. Objective reality doesn't matter. And if you try to point out reality, objective truth, you're accused of being a bigot, intolerant, a heretic of the modern day. You might be mobbed, have your professional reputation ruined. Be deplatformed, be silenced, be censored. But what is the truth about this? Let me give you some science and some facts. Not only is there male and female, but biological males get testosterone production at puberty that causes marked physical enhancement in their bodies. They grow taller, their muscles grow bigger, their bones become denser, and they get larger hearts and lungs with greater oxygen-carrying capacity than women. Additionally, testosterone provides muscle memory so that muscles remember to regrow more quickly after periods of atrophy as they have more nuclei that can direct the reproduction of the muscle growth even when testosterone lowers. Those nuclei remain. These physical benefits to athletic performance persist even if a male, biological male, later identifies as a transgender woman and artificially lowers their testosterone. The bones remain more dense. Their, lung and, uh, their heart and lung capacity for oxygen comparison remains greater than a woman. Their, their body mass is bigger. Their muscle is more dense. But truth doesn't matter. Facts don't matter. We must deny reality. Look, aren't the emperor's clothes beautiful? Let's take another example from the Super Bowl. In fact, from the entire football season, both professional and college, the question of wearing masks in the COVID environment. Now let's assume, uh, notice I'm going to take the high ground here. Let's assume that mask wearing works to reduce viral transmission. That That's actually still debated, but let's take the high road that they work. It really stops viral transmission. Let's just assume that to be true. And if we assume that to be true, that mask wearing will reduce COVID transmission, What is the messaging that we are bombarded with in our society and around the world about mask wearing? If you don't wear a mask, you're at high risk of dying. Mask wearing, you must wear it in order to save your life and be safe. That's the messaging. If we assume that the masks are effective and will reduce your risk of contracting COVID and you don't wear one, is that the same thing as putting your life at risk or putting yourself at high risk of dying? No, it's not, because that assumes that being infected is you're being infected with a highly virulent agent. Not a highly contagious agent, a highly virulent one. Contagiousness is it spreads really easy. Virulence is that it really kills easily as well. COVID does not. You've been conditioned to think it does, but look at the data. A highly virulent disease, Ebola. Ebola is virulent. You get Ebola, you're in trouble. Highly virulent disease? Bubonic plague. Without antibiotics, 100% of people who get bubonic plague die. 100%. 100%. If you're under the age of 40, the data is, and you get COVID infection, 99.997% of people recover. .003% of people die. That is not a highly virulent disease. So even if we believe it stops transmission, it's not, uh, not the same thing. Uh, not wearing a mask doesn't mean that you're at a high risk of dying. You're at a high risk of contracting the disease, if we believe that. And then contracting the disease doesn't even, uh, and the virulence of the disease, doesn't even deal with the whole question of therapeutics. If you contract it, are there therapeutics you can give that can reduce the risk even lower? And there's good science out there that there are. And we'll go into that. But even if that, it doesn't take into account all the people like my wife who contracted COVID and was tested positive back in June and afterwards tested, she has antibodies, and donated convalescent plasma. It doesn't take into account people like her. Why should she need to wear masks mask now? Why? How is that mask going to benefit her? I, I'm, I've got a lot more to go. What do well, I mean, you see that the, the, the messaging is that you wear a mask for my... I, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Okay, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. This is contradictory messaging that was revealed in the Super Bowl. It's revealed. I want you to see the contradict. how your mind is. This is not about COVID, guys. This is an example to show how your mind is being assaulted and how you're being reduced from mature Christians to children. This is what this is about. In the Super Bowl, anybody who watched it, or any football games all season long, you saw the the things that don't fit this narrative. This narrative that if I don't wear a mask, I could die. I can only be safe in society with mask wearing. And what you saw all season long with team after team, player after player, is out there on the field, there in each other's faces, breathing heavy in each other's faces, sweating on each other, grabbing on each other all game long with no masks. And none. There were none of the players that died of COVID this year. None. Not one. Not one. Tens of thousands of players in their faces, breathing all over each other. But yet, as the players are out on the field, in each other's faces, breathing heavily, sweating on each other, along the sideline, the coaches, which are standing 5, 10, 15 feet away from anybody, they're all wearing masks. And then these very same players, after they've just been on the field, breathing all over each other, go over to the bench, sit by themselves. You'll see them often sitting off by themselves, wearing a mask. Why? Why are we shown these images? Because of the optics, you must be convinced with every image that you see that you've got to wear a mask. You're in danger if you don't wear a mask. We can't function safely in society. You can't walk around in your community without a mask. You could die. We're being conditioned to deny history. To deny reality right before our eyes. To accept authoritarian rule, even if it doesn't make sense. To take it on faith that someone in charge knows better. They know what is right. Don't ask questions. Just believe. Understand very clearly, folks, these football players out there each week are not putting their lives at risk. They wouldn't be out there if they thought their lives were at risk. Uh, Some of you may remember a player named Ryan Clark who played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He has sickle cell trait. And a few years ago, the Steelers were in a playoff game against the Denver Broncos, played in Denver, Colorado. And during the playoff game, Ryan Clark did not go to Denver to play. Because at altitude, he was warned that he could have strokes and heart attacks and other problems related to a sickle cell disease, and he could die. It was a real threat for him. He didn't play, folks. Understand, these players, if they thought that there was a real threat to their life, they wouldn't be playing. Wake up and realize you're being conditioned to surrender your thinking. This isn't about COVID. It's what's happening to our minds. Being purposely manipulated to be less capable of thinking, more fearful, more afraid, more willing to trust, without evidence, more willing to accept authority, rules, consider this. Just consider this. Let's say, in fact, we've already taken the high road. Masks, we'll all accept masks reduce transmission. Let's accept that as an assumption. Not a proven assumption, but let's accept it. If you accept that mask wearing reduces your risk because it will reduce transmission, and you go into a store with someone who's not wearing one, but you're wearing yours, what is your response? Do you respond with kindness? Do you have a positive regard for that person? Do you feel sad for them? Or do you get irritated? Do you get angry? Do you get tempted with irritation? Do you become afraid that they're going to expose you, that they're a danger? Do you see them as a threat? They could could harm me. Do you want to report them? Do you want to get the manager and make them? Do you confront them? Do you want to get them to come up? Put your mask on. But why? Why any of that? If your mask that you believe in is protecting you, why are you afraid that person doesn't have one on? You're protected. You're not being harmed. They are in, in this worldview. If you look over and you, see, if you're wearing your seatbelt in your car, and you look over and you see the person in their car not wearing their seatbelt, do you feel afraid that you're now at more at greater risk? If you've got your mask on and they don't have theirs, why are you at greater risk? Jesus described the events leading up to his coming, in Matthew thirteen twelve. One of the, excuse me, Mark thirteen twelve. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me. Are we seeing families divided today over this? Are we seeing people being conditioned to be willing to report to the authorities, their own family members, for not keeping certain COVID rules? And this is just the beginning, folks. First trickles are starting. These mask mandates, notice the word I'm using, mandates are part of the mental conditioning. I am speaking about mandates. Let me be very clear. I want to go on record. I am not speaking or criticizing in any way voluntary mask wearing. I am a 100% supportive of any person who voluntarily, based on their judgment and evaluation of the circumstances, their own health, their own risks, what they believe, that they want to wear a mask, 100% support you. 100%. No criticism. I pat you on the back. I applaud you. But understand, the reason I applaud you is because if it happens that way, you have thought it through. You have reasoned it out. You have concluded for yourself. You've assessed the risks. You've made a choice. Which strengthens your discernment skills. You become more mature in exercising those abilities. It's not ultimately about the mask. It is about what's happening in your mind and how you got to the point that you wore the mask. I applaud you for weighing it out, reasoning it, and making your own decisions. Beautifully done. But you understand this is not what the enemy wants. The enemy does not want you to wear a mask because you thought it through and made a choice. They want to break down your individuality. They don't want you to be a mature Christian who can discern and think and choose. They want to destroy your ability to be an effective agent for God. Because, and they do not want you to decide to wear a mask or not they want you to comply to surrender the choice to higher authority that's what they want your agreement is not required your compliance is required that is the goal Condition you to accept lies as truth, irrational application of imposed laws that by the ruling authority, then when more irrational laws come down the pipe later, you're going to be less capable of resisting them. That's really what's happening here, folks. How much better that we present the truth in love and leave people free to weigh it out and make their own decision? I received an email this week from an online listener. Here's the email. Dr. Jennings reveals truth over and over again. Here is the most recent example of what I'm referring to. In this week's lesson, live class, February 6, he mentions the enemy will come with some type of justice, some type of justice cause suited for a person's mindset. Then he listed a whole bunch of them economics, racial, etc., etc. Well, I was amazed as I witnessed this very point being played out with some of my friends. The topic was, the realities are, that I brought up, uh, Tim brought up. Uh, after class, I verified it uh, and gained an understanding of what it was and shared it with some of my Christian friends. Some of them actually thought it was a good idea. Their thinking was, because of all this misinformation lies, someone should monitor what is put out there, and it would be just to protect the people from misinformation. I was dumbfounded. But it was an example of the real, in real time of what Tim was talking about. When I asked them about freedom of speech, they were willing to give up their freedom if it kept misinformation from being put out there for the good of the people. Then I asked them whose reality they thought the realities ours would be promoting. Do you think they will dig into the evidence for the truth or make declarations based on their own biases? Well, to that, they actually stopped and, po- and pondered. <laughs> Who should decide reality for you and me? Certain people in the media have constantly held up scientists. Scientists, yes. We listen to the science. We listen to the scientists. Whether it's on global warming, whether it's on COVID, we listen to the scientists. How many of you remember the science article, article after article in the 60s and 70s that told us there was no association between tobacco and cancer? Do you understand? There was article after article in journal after journal, no association. And what do we learn from that? That the science can be corrupted by money and politics to misinform us. Do we think this stopped with tobacco? Please, folks. I gave examples a few weeks ago of two articles, one in the New England Journal one in the Lancet, were completely fraudulent about this issue to incite fear, to undermine the confidence in a very safe medication called hydroxychloroquine. Both articles have since been retracted. I hope you realize there is no justice in the human justice system. It's all imposed punishments, arbitrarily applied by whomever is biasedly in power at this time. And it keeps, and, they, and the groups keep fighting back and forth to gain power, to change the laws, to force their moral view on society. This is Satan's kingdom, and the fighting never stops. <coughs> Excuse me. This is out of Christ Triumphant, page 11. Because of Satan's accusing power, remember one of his powers, power of accusation? It was not the plan of God to deal with him as he deserved. The tempter would throw all the blame of his course upon others who were below him. He would make it appear that if he could have moved according to his own judgment, all the demonstration of rebellion would have been avoided. The condemning power of Satan would lead him to institute a theory of justice inconsistent with mercy. He claims to be officiating as the voice and power of God, claims that his decisions are justice, and pure, and without fault. Thus he takes his position on the judgment seat and declares that his counsels are infallible. Here his merciless justice comes in, and a counterfeit of justice, abhorrent to God. This is punishment, rule-breaking that must be punished. God's methods are quite different, and God's justice is quite different. I want to go through now, and this will probably be what we finish up with. I hope I can get through it, and if I go over a little bit, we'll just have to make our next class a little shorter. This is a quotation out of Review and Herald, September 7, 1897. Satan's representations against the government of God and his defense of those who sided with him were a constant accusation against God. His murmurings and complaints were groundless, and yet God allowed him to work out his theory. Satan is a liar and accuser. His accusations are groundless because there's no truth on his side. Yet God gives him freedom. God did not censor Satan. God did not take down his Twitter account or block him from social media. God left Satan free. Why? If you think it's right to censor, to deplatform, to silence opposition voices for the good of the people, to save lives, whose method are you preferring? Continuing on, God could have destroyed Satan as all his sympathizers, as easy as one picks up a pebble and casts it to the earth, but by doing so, he would have given a precedent for the exercise of force. What is a precedent? An action that serves to justify future actions. God would not do this. Why? What happens actually in hearts, minds, and and in reality when force is used? Do you get more love when you use force or more rebellion? Do you think it's right and just to force people to comply to your moral standards and laws to punish sin? Does sin need to be punished in your moral view? If you think so, whose kingdom are you preferring? That's Satan's kingdom, folks. Next sentence. All the compelling power is found only under Satan's government. How much of it? All of it. What type of law is Satan's kingdom built upon? It's made up rules which require enforcement and compelling power, infliction upon God's kingdom design law doesn't use any of this. Next sentence. The Lord's principles are not of this order. He would not work in this line or on this line. God will not work by rule enforcement. Only Satan does. How many Christians are eager to join the ranks of the enemy and support the state in enforcing their rules upon others? We can never win friends this way. We can never convert hearts this way. We can never eliminate fear, selfishness, and rebellion out of the heart. We only spread it and make it worse. Continuing on. He would not give the slightest encouragement for any human being to set himself up as God over another human being, feeling at liberty to cause him physical or mental suffering. This principle is wholly of Satan's creation. Yet how many today in society believe it is right and just to have other human beings be authority over us and to punish us and inflict pain and suffering on us if we don't go along with their approved narrative? Just listen in the aftermath of this election, folks. There is on almost every media outlet calls for punishing people who supported the last administration. Fire them from their jobs, take away their co- previously earned college degrees, revoke them, Reeducate them, fine them, punish them. Continuing on. The principles of the character of God were the foundation of education constantly kept before the heavenly angels. These principles were goodness, mercy, and love. How did goodness, mercy, and love operate? Can I get more goodness, mercy, and love from you by by torturing you? By taking your previous earned degrees away? No, you can never get it by any of Satan's methods. The methods of this world. Continuing on. Self-evidencing, self-evidencing light was to be recognized and freely accepted by all who occupy positions of trust and power. What does self evidencing light mean? How reality works. It's self evident. That's how it works. It's obvious because that's what transpires. It's history. Okay? That's why we have to deny history. In order to go into the future, the future that Satan has for the world, in which you have a BC system that coerces everybody, we have to deny history. We have to have our own logic to create a new reality, because history is how reality works. We can't allow history. We can't, what actually transpired. We, like, like football players not dying when they don't wear their mask exposes a lie that we can only be safe if we wear one. We must deny that. Continuing on. They must accept God's principles and through the presentation of truth and righteousness convince all who were in his service. What is this method? The truth presented in love. That's what we try to do here. I, I, I promise you, I may come across fairly passionate and intense, but you will never find me seeking to get you fired from your job, getting you deplatformed, having your Twitter account taken away, getting you fined or in prison simply because you believe differently than me. please. Think it through. I I respect it. This is the mature. This is every person be fully persuaded in their own mind. Romans chapter 14. We never compel. We never force. We might passionately persuade, but we still leave you free. Next sentence. The truth and righteousness were to convince this was the only power to be used. The only power, truth and righteousness. Wow. Truth, love, freedom. Next, next sentence. Force must never be used. What must never come in? How much of the Christian world teaches that God's righteousness and justice require? He uses power to punish and put down. God must use force. It's the only way to win. Satan's lie, folks. That's imperialism. And today, shouldn't we use force? Shouldn't we get control of government? Shouldn't we get the right judges? Shouldn't we pass the right laws? Shouldn't we force people to be good? The purpose of human governments are to restrain people. Ultimately, our Constitution, get your mind around what I'm about to say here. Our Constitution was not given to establish your human rights. It was to restrain the government from trampling on them. The Constitution restrain the government from uh, abuse of power. That's its purpose. You see all these people talking about, we've got to protect the Constitution, we've got to protect the Constitution. Again, take the blinders off and see that all of this is hyperbole while they abuse the Constitution to take away and trample upon your rights. That's what's happening because it's a godless system. It's a system of this world. What must never come in? Force. But what if we need to save lives? Shouldn't we use force to save lives? Isn't it right to force people when lives are at stake? Understand reality, folks. Force can save an individual life in the short run. You can. You can use force to kill somebody who's about to murder somebody else to save that individual life in the short run. You can. But you can never end violence with violence. You can never end conflict with more violence force and conflict and thus you never actually save more lives in the long run. The use of force only perpetuates sin and keeps the conflict going while we all believe we're trying we're making it better. It's a lie, another deception. All who thought that their position gave them power to command their fellow beings and control conscience must be deprived of their position for this is not god's plan woo, woo, woo. wow too bad both church and state leaders don't know this one the role of earthly governments are not to res- to promote righteousness they're simply to restrain chaos that's it with the minimal use of power possible so that we have the greatest liberties possible as people that's the purpose. In the councils of heaven it was decided that Satan that the principles excuse me, in the councils of heaven it was decided that principles must be acted upon that would not only that would not at once destroy Satan's power, for it was God's purpose that to place things on an eternal basis of security. Eternal basis of security. How can this be? What happens in hearts and minds if you threaten to punish people who don't comply? Do you get love, trust, and eternal security? You get more rebellion. So the only way to convince and get eternal security is truth presented on love leaving free. This takes time. So what's what's needed to successfully destroy Satan and his power? Evidence revealed over time while leaving people free. Which method do you see practiced by Jesus? Which method do you see practiced by the political parties of these various governments of the world? Time must be given for Satan to develop the principles which were the foundation of his government. What are his principles? Lies, imposed laws, inflicted punishment, coercive enforcement, accusation, human economics, division, destruction, and death. These are his powers. These are his principles. You can't expose those simply by stating so. Only reality, how reality works, history. History will reveal it. Oh, but we have to deny history. We will deny the logic of the past and in order to go into the future. The heavenly universe must see worked out the principles which Satan declared were superior to God's principles. God's order must be contrasted with Satan's order. The corrupting principles of Satan's rule must be revealed. The principles of righteousness expressed in God's law must be demonstrated as unchangeable, perfect, eternal. And where is this contrast between God's government and principles and Satan's government and principles made most clearly? In the life of Jesus. In the life of Jesus. Yeah, the life and death of Jesus, that's right. First and foremost, but Jesus said, you are the lights of the world. As the Father sent me, so send I you. The second place this contrast is to be seen most clearly is in the lives of the righteous who have have the laws of Satan's kingdom erased and the law of God written on their heart and mind. It is we who are to give glory to God at this time in earth's history by living out his laws in contrast to how the world operates. By practicing his, by refusing to be deceived and pursuing justice through imposed laws and punishing others and human governments. By loving every person as ourselves. The Lord allowed Satan to go on and demonstrate his principles. God did reveal that his principles were right and he carried the world's unfallen and the heavenly universe with him, but it was at terrible cost. His only begotten son was given up as Satan's victim. The Lord Jesus Christ revealed a character entirely opposite that of Satan's. Satan's method is to rise up and rule over and use force and to punish. God's method was Jesus surrendered all power and became a servant, humbling himself to death in order to heal and lift up. Exact opposite characters, seeking to rule over and punish, seeking to sacrifice and love. Completely opposite. As the high priest laid aside his gorgeous robes, Christ emptied himself, took the form of a servant, offering to sacrifice himself. By causing the death of the sovereign of heaven, Satan defeated his own purpose. He was allowed to go on until his administration was laid open before the world's unfallen and before heavenly universe. By shedding the blood of the Son of God, he uprooted himself from the affections of, his, of the unfallen beings. He was seen by all to be a liar, a thief, and a murderer. Who killed Jesus? Satan inspired evil men. Satan murdered Christ at the cross. Yet his lies have been so effective that the majority of Christians teach God executed Jesus as he placed all the sins upon him for justice sake. His lies are so effective the world doesn't even realize Satan is the murderer. We talked about God would never use force. No compelling power. But how about if it was to save lives? When God refused to use force, does that mean God wasn't interested in saving lives? No, it means he can't save lives that way. He only causes more death. The the battle never ends. The only way to bring an end is to take the principles of selfishness out of the heart. God sees the same course of action as being pursued the world over. Men and women come to the place where where, where the road diverges. It is either right or wrong. And only the mature who developed by practice, have the ability to discern the right from the wrong. But your mind is being assaulted by all these things I've gone through in class today so that you're losing, if you're buying into the world's theories and philosophies and and, and claims and wanting practices, you will lose the ability to discern the right from the wrong. You will come to the road and you'll have no idea which is the right and the wrong. And you'll go down the wrong because the rest of the world tells you it's the right. Today, Satan is working upon human minds by his crooked principles. Oh, yes, he is. These will be adopted and acted upon by some who claim to be loyal and true to God's government. Oh, do we see that happening? How many in the churches are teaching these crooked principles? How shall we know that they are disloyal and untrue? By their fruit, Ye shall know them. God does not force anyone. He leaves all free to choose. So, all of you out there who, in the name of God, are willing to pursue the governments and any other authority you can get to force people to comply in order to save lives, you're on the crooked path. You've left the straight and the narrow. You're not on God's team. I don't care who you claim to be serving. You're not serving Him. Finishing individually, we are deciding our eternal destiny deciding whether we shall enjoy the highest honor that can be given to man, even the eternal weight of glory, or, or be ranked with Satan by possessing his character, by dishonoring God because we profess to be Christians while, pre- while misrepresenting Christ. Those who choose to reveal the character of the arch deceiver identify themselves with him beyond the possibility of change because they choose not to see themselves as wrong. Embracing imperialism. Pursuing justice by laws and force and coercion and compelling and punishment. You're not on God's team. Embracing what Jesus brought, transformation of heart and mind, through love, including loving the enemy, praying for them who misuse us, having our hearts renewed where we can be lights in this world like Jesus Jesus was. That's, That's the call. Live a different principle. Come out of this system. Don't buy in. Practice your own discernment and understand your mind is really under assault in this world today. Our gracious Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love and your goodness and your truth and what Jesus has revealed and the way you run your kingdom. We ask that your your spirit will take these truths, help us learn to discern, give us the uh, strength to make the right choice and then transform us back into your ideal and design and enable us to take these messages and these truths, these final messages of love and mercy to the world, so that you will come soon. We pray in your holy name. Amen.